We had a great conversation that spanned almost three hours with our special guest. And unfortunately, during that conversation, our microphone didn't actually record. The iPad did. So our sound quality is less than stellar. It's still a good conversation, though, and you should listen. We've actually yep. mentioned you. If you've ever listened, we've actually we mentioned you. I'll say you. something, and I'll be like, yeah, but J to B would probably not agree Except with he that. doesn't say J to B. He <laughs> just says, someone's going to give me shit for this. <laughs> this is when. Welcome to My Racist Friend, a podcast about the messy parts of relationships that help us grow together. I'm Don Griffin. I'm Amy McKeese. And we have a special guest today. We do. Tell us about yourself. My name is Jada V. I am a core council member of Black Lives Matter Bloomington. I am in a few different bands in town. One is Royalty Prince Tribute Band, and the other is called Negative Peace. We're a new soul goth band, and we... Named ourselves after the concept that Dr. Martin Luther King talks about, which is negative peace is the absence of justice. And so we decided to like grab that phrase and kind of use it as a tool in our music. So wow, so gone. Really cool. I love that. Yeah, it's really weird. Talking about <laughs> inter- intersectionality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very the yeah the I'll band is that. very intersectionality. It's very black. It's very queer. It's very trans. It's very, um, very varied. <laughs> very varied. Nice. Very varied. Yeah. Nice. And loud. Okay. <laughs> Which is what I prefer. <laughs> yeah, I've heard the what is it called the royal royalty is the I, prince. They Trudeau. are bad. They are really good. Bad in a good way. Bad yeah, in a good yes, way. Yes, come on now. Bad in a good way. I'm yeah. Bad. I know. I know what you mean. I mean, the band is tight. The yeah. vocals are on. Yeah. Man, I love it. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, there was. I've heard you play some Prince songs that I actually like better after you guys have done it. Ooh, thank you. So don't, thank I, you. That doesn't mean I hate Prince. I love Prince. I'm yeah. just saying the band is, is good. It's tight. Well, we try really hard to, uh, to hate. Instead of somebody trying to, quote unquote, be Prince... We try to create the vibe of a band that Prince would maybe want to be in. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, like 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 you know, we're 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 the backing band that if Prince were gonna walk into a band, that's this is the band he'd walk into. And he kind of did that all his life. Yeah, yeah, he? yeah. He create yeah. new sounds with a new band. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, all the time. Yeah. And so we're trying to be more like this is this is this is the sound that Prince would be interested in. So you know, while doing his songs, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's a good time. I love both of those bands very much. So, anyways, I use, I love to talk about my music because I think that the music is um, key to understanding uh, everything, and also it's a great way into talking about so many other things. So, um, when you when you feel the funk inside you, you can understand the world a little bit better, um, and it makes it makes all of the difficult parts easier to digest <laughs> yeah and people come together with music people yeah. that normally would not 
like each other, if they can find a band that they love in common, all of a sudden things completely change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot that we want to talk to her about. So yeah. the idea was, we were trying to, our theme was intersectionality. We were working toward intersectionality. We were working, but we never got there. We totally there, were, but we keep getting sidetracked. Yeah, there's always something going um, on. Well, I'm definitely here to sidetrack every single one of your goals. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much my mission in life. Well, so I was trying to remind Jada so she could recreate this moment on Facebook where she explained it was somebody complaining about, like, doing the thing where they're like, I'm I'm against uh, Nazis in the farmer's market, but Antifa is scaring me. Mm. And so you talked about Dolores Umbridge Uh and the Defense Against the Dark arts yeah. group yeah. doing their work. The DA, yeah. And and how it was important to have all these different groups doing the the, the fight ways. for justice. Right, right, right. And they're doing it in different ways. Now now I really wish that you would have said earlier because I would have found that and reminded <laughs> myself. But I, I I see the point that I perhaps was trying to make, which is that um you can't Fight Dolores Umbridge just just by the DA. You've got to have you've got to have Medical. Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. Order, Order of the Phoenix. Of Phoenix. Yeah. You've got to have you've got to have multiple approaches, um, and that ultimately, you know, the thing the thing that gets rid of Dolores Umbridge is is a, you know this all out fight, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I have a feeling that once the dust settled after they defeated Voldemort, Dolores Umbridge is still there somewhere. You know, she didn't go away. No, she actually didn't. Did she, she didn't go away. Mm. No, she didn't get arrested. She didn't go to. She didn't go to Azkaban. Nothing like that. The Dolores Umbridges are still there, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So sure, maybe we defeat the clan. Maybe we oh beat gosh, back this the clan. My stomach hurt. Yeah. Thinking of Dolores Umbridges but, everywhere. But the Dolores Umbridges are still there, and so we have to weed out the Dolores Umbridges because they are. They are that seed that are still in everything. They're they're the Lucius Malfoys who escaped the justice, you know, from 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 before when they defeated mm-hmm. Voldemort, right? Like you said, we were talking about Antifa. Antifa's fighting the, the Nazis. And Antifa's out there like, you know, doing doing that fight with with the Nazis. And there are other groups and you know, Antifa is a amorphous organization. Mm-hmm. It's not just one um, group of people. It's several different types of groups of people, different crews from here and there. So when you say I hate Antifa, maybe you're just talking about some people that you know that you don't like, um, because the reality is is that that's a, it's it's you know you me everyone who is anti-racist and anti-fascist, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, there are some people who are doing that like direct confrontation with the Nazis, but I prefer to do the work with the Dolores Umbridges and the white liberalism because that's what it is. So mm-hmm. the people that smile in your face mm-hmm. are the institutionalized yes. racism and yes. sexism that, that is just built in, just baked right. into the system. Right. But then have, you know, educational decree number 47 that make it ridiculously hard for black people to flourish in schools, mm. that make it ridiculously hard for black people to get housing and and loans for housing. And, you know, Dolores Umbridge is is the systemic issues of racism and the definition of white supremacy. The Nazis marching in the street are problematic and must be fought at all costs, um, but they're just a violent outburst of a systemic issue. Mm-hmm. 
and like a whitehead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's easily solved, honestly. Like that is that is easily solved. What they understand is they understand violence. And so when you meet them head on and you show up in greater numbers than they do, they cower all the time. They cower. Like like all cowards do. They cower. And they they run away. And so when people say they're frightened of Antifa, in the marketplace and when they showed up and stuff like that. What they're doing is they're showing that, um, you know, they're showing they're coming in black block and they're doing that. What they're doing is they're showing these Nazis who also hide their faces, who some of them, some of them don't. Some of the three percenters are proud to show their faces, but there are many of them who don't. I mean, think of anybody in a Klan's hood. Um, and, but even the, the, the Ku Klux Klan in, in, in southern Indiana and, and uh, when they had their little, you know, cookout, Whatever they all had little mask up around their faces because they don't want to lose their day jobs, and that's why you know the the, the video phone has been so mm-hmm. <laughs> um, crucial in outing these people. But they don't want to lose their day jobs. But so Antifa is also trying to protect their identity so that they don't get harmed by the police, so that they don't get harmed by the Nazis. But also they have day jobs too, mm-hmm. and so they're not the opposite. It's not like saying they're the opposite. You know, it's not mm-hmm. as, you know, black or white as that. It's rather like, you know, the opposite of hate is indifference and all that kind of stuff. It's more like if, if the Klan and the Nazis and the neo-Nazis and the three percenters and all the names that they give themselves are over here. Antifa is this, like, it's a tool. It's a tool to, to stop that and to, to match up to it. Because the reality is, is that um, they're all scared. Those, the Nazis are all scared. And the minute you show any kind of strength, they will maybe they will maybe rattle a little bit, but it's the death rattle of white supremacy that mm. you're hearing. Mm. And so you just have to continue to stand up to it. It's the Dolores Umbridge, it's the institutionalized racism that is a little bit more complicated to weed out, in my opinion. And to me, when I think of Dolores Umbridge, I think of someone who valued uh, like this pretend order like this really toxic terrifying order not pretend order that's the problem that's the problem yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is the, it is the actual order so back to the negative piece she mm-hmm. she prefers the structure and order the calm like no we we shouldn't argue we shouldn't fight rules are rules mm-hmm. end of story and they can't possibly change and in fact, in order to make you understand that, we're going to create more rules. Mm-hmm. We're going to create more order. And what does Dolores do? She brings in the scariest people she thinks mm-hmm. she can mm-hmm. in order to maintain that. So she brings in the Dementors. And in this case, in the, you're putting this into the real world, that's the police. Mm-hmm. That's surveillance culture. And so um, one could equate that to what the current administration in Bloomington is doing. In order to maintain order, we bring in the debentors. We bring in the police. We bring in, we bring in surveillance in order to, to get that negative piece, which is the absence of justice. That means nobody wins. Um, no progress is made. We just keep things as tamped down as we possibly can. And if you dare to move out of line then that's, that's when we invoke all of the punishment that our rules have. I think the people doing that... I don't think they realize it. I think Dolores Umbridge, in the book, but in real life, real life Dolores Umbridge's, they think they are doing what is best. 
I think that's the problem. It's like because we have this system, and I'm not saying the system is the system is is broken. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. been broken for brown people and, and 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 marginalized people forever. But if we really did get rid of the police, what would happen? So I mean, right now, if we just you, you understand that, what I'm saying? Right. We're not ready for that. Well, okay. So my people are. I mean, uh, you know, we we'd have. Uh, um, mm. we, mm. Uh, <laughs> come on now. Look, 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 look. That is because we are taught to see the police as the, the stick instead of the carrot, right? They're there to whack us down whenever we do wrong. Black Lives Matter is an abolitionist organization. We mm-hmm. believe eventually in the abolition of the police system. So... There are some out there, there's some anarchists out there, there's some, some radical people out there that believe that you could just do away with the police today and everything would be fine. No. I don't particularly believe in that. I don't believe that everyone's just going to be like, great, the police are gone, let's go out and kill and, and do all of this. I don't think it'll be the purge. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't think, I don't necessarily, I'm going to say necessarily, maybe in some areas, maybe some people, but what I think is that we take this concept of policing people Oh, and um, Ayanna Presley did, has done a recently good, great job of outlining intense criminal justice reforms. Mm-hmm. Everything from decriminalized um, sex work uh, to changing the nature of policing. And that's really what we're talking about. And I, I believe some of what Ayanna Presley was doing was based on uh, Sean King, who's a problematic person, but he created 25 points of changing the police. Mm-hmm. BLM has looked at that and added upon it um, in the past. Um, I think we're going to revisit that again. Um, but this concept of changing what it is to be policing, mm-hmm. uh, changing what policing is, I think is a very necessary thing. And so if we move away from this, um, cops are out here patrolling and looking for trouble, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Like they are looking for crimes to enforce the, the law, right? right? right. Um, so they see a homeless person on the street who is quote-unquote loitering, they pick them up, they charge them with loitering, whatever. As opposed to they see a homeless person on the street, they stop by and ask them, hey, do you need food? Do you need shelter? Do you need help? Is there anything we can do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if that person says, no, I'm fine, they go, okay, have a nice night, and leave them alone, mm-hmm. right? Like... If, if we change the nature of policing and we get rid of the quote-unquote nuisance, nuisance crimes like loitering and we look towards mental health care, we look towards um, affordable housing, we look towards eliminating poverty, mm-hmm. you know, we're, that's, that's what we talk about when we're talking about eliminating the police. We're talking about a full abolition of what the police are now and we turn it more into those police officers in the street are not actually police officers, but community members. Mm-hmm. Not police, but community members, first and foremost, who are looking after other community members. I see what you're saying. I, if for, for some people, the police are looked at as, as, uh, as a safety net. But there's other people that look at that, that same force as that they're, they're actually victims. If you're homeless and you have no other... That's what you are. Yep. Then the police is coming to, to arrest you or find out what the hell you're doing. Or if you're a, a black man and you're driving and the police, they're pulling you over to 
to just find out what where you're going and who you're with and if there's contraband in your car. We've if you know how that. to change lanes properly. If you know how to, which <laughs> has happened to me before, it changes. So uh, you're you're basically saying change the way the police do business. Do do do. Yes, but I'm also saying that if we do that radically enough, then we eliminate that concept that fear. of police. No, not the fear. The United States government is going to still have. Uh, the FBI, the CIA, who are who are doing investigations not only I- internationally but internally, there's still going to be that deep state stuff that still happens in this country. I I don't know if I personally can see a way out of that, but I do think that I see a way out of policing as we see it within our communities into something that looks more like community defense. And it doesn't happen so much here, but that the police officers who are, you know, policing the Broadview neighborhood actually live in the Broadview neighborhood. Yeah. They don't come from Martinsville, but that they come from the Broadview neighborhood. And so they're not policing Broadview. They are doing a community defense of Broadview. And so they know their neighbors. They're talking to their neighbors. They're working with their neighbors. And if something happens, a theft or whatever, whatever then they, they have a better way of looking into that situation that we use then restorative justice to ensure that those things, uh, you know, if somebody steals from you, then there's, a, then there's a, a, a process of either getting that back or getting compensation back. Because my dad was a police officer right. and we got to live there for mm-hmm. free, mm-hmm. yet uh, he also did, you know, security checks, duty, or yeah. you know, checks and, you know, people's bikes being stolen and people's... I mean, there was, I was called the little piglet, little black piglet. That was, that's another story. That's a whole other that's story. That's a whole other, oh, other story. Wow. But, <laughs> yes, that's oh, a no, whole it, other story. It, it was, it was, <laughs> we're talking about the 70s. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. In Which, but, I mean, we still could be talking in the 90s, no, let's be honest. We could be talking 2000. about t- t- yep. today. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, but, and so, so, yeah, it's sort of like that. Community defense is sort of like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that the idea of patrolling and going out and looking for crimes mm-hmm. is always my, like, you know, it's always my issue of, yes, I, you know, I didn't fully stop at that stop sign. However, I didn't run into anybody, I didn't hurt anybody, and I didn't hurt myself. Or, I'm pulling you over because it looks like you don't have your seatbelt on. What? Those are like these pretexts to find out if something else is going on. Oh, absolutely! It's and an they're they're always used against people of color. Like mm-hmm. that's that's it's like always used about that. Did I, you see the article about uh, Carmel? Did you see that? I did see. Yes, Carmel has one of the yeah. Carmel has some of the worst rates in Indiana, and has always had. It's like yeah, forty percent of the people you know are arrested yeah. are, yeah. are 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 people of color yeah. yet. They only make up like two percent. Two less, less, less crazy. Yeah, less than our, our yeah population. And here, so yeah. I, I asked the question. I said, "What what do you think the numbers would be right. if they started calculating or or showing how many people of color got just pulled over, right, and not actually arrested, mm, right. or not mm-hmm. actually got a ticket? It'd be hundred percent. It'd be it's ridiculous. And I you'd find the same thing probably." In, in any town in the state in Indiana. Yeah, and well, yes, you yes and no. Um, um, we have a very high rate. Our our high rate is, our, you know, we have we only make up six three point six percent of the population, um, and we are getting policed at four hundred times the rate of white people. 
Um, and so we're getting stopped on all of those. It's not, it's not as bad as Carmel. Carmel is the worst in the state of Indiana, but considering how tiny our population is for, of black people, we are still getting over-policed. And like I said, it's not, we're not even... So that's one thing I want. I, I want to get changed. I want, to get, I, I want them to start documenting who they're pulling over. Who they're who they're stopping, and not giving tickets to? Yeah, because that's a form of to me that's a, that that is a form of it's profiling. Yeah. Profiling. It's one hundred percent profiling. Yep. and they do do that. They do um, keep track of that information. They don't, I don't know if they do yet. They don't personally correlate it. That's the issue, is that they they don't correlate that data. There's raw data of who they, you know, they do, I mean, they keep track of race, ethnicity, or whatever. When they pull somebody over, they have to check all those boxes. Mm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So that data's out there, but I do know that the, um, uh, the group at, at the UU Church has been doing a longitudinal study since 2002. Really? The NAACP uh, yeah. commissioned them to do that. Well, but I'm just, I'm they so commissioned, I know, but they, com- they commissioned that study in 2002 but um, Guy Guy Laughlin yep. has continued that study yes. and released. Um, and he does good work. I, I'm not really. No. Know. Yeah. I mean, and it was independent from the NAACP. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but they only commissioned it for 2002, and then he decided to continue collecting that data and yep. correlating that data. And you can see that there has been a steady flow of of racial profiling from BPD. And it's this is information that when I tell the current administration this in Bloomington, they just deny it. They just say there's no, they just say no, that's not happening. And I'm like, this is your data. And all that Guy Laughlin does is add up things and turn it into percentages. He doesn't manipulate it. He doesn't bounce it this way, bounce it that way. All he does is add them up and put it into a document for you to look at. It is, and it's basic math. It's, it's, it's not calculus, you know, it's, it's basic math. It's just figuring out the percentages. We do not do well here in this town, and so that Bloomington exceptionalism, which is particularly stuck in my craw that I mm-hmm. really hate, it's not there. It doesn't work. BPD is not any better than than any other um, police organization in terms of their profiling. Now, they are not out here murdering people on a daily basis, but if that's the bar to step over, Lord God, Prince Jesus, No. <laughs> And when I say Prince Jesus, I mean Prince. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Prince Jesus. Oh, you crazy. I <laughs> so, I, this is, I had a conversation yesterday that sort of got me ready for this. Okay. And I was able to, to identify some of the things, some of the hang-ups that happen. Mm. For me, at mm. least. Mm-hmm. It's binary thinking that, yeah. that gets in the way. So, one of the things that happens is this idea that, oh, if we don't have police... Then we have the Wild West. Yeah. You know, like, the, those are the two options. But the Wild West had police. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who were corrupt. Right. So, I, I gotta say, Jada, when you were talking earlier, um, and you're talking about how you don't like the Bloomington exceptionalism and all of that, and same, I, I'm with you. When you talked about how a community could do this, I got hopeful. Like, I, I got hopeful about mm-hmm. what we could do here mm-hmm. in... And, and part of that, for me, in talking about it, is being able to see what it would be. Mm-hmm. Rather than, like, okay, we're, we're not having, you know, we're abolishing police, which, you know, terrifies a lot of people. It does, yeah. Thinking, 
we're having people who walk around and try to help people. Mm-hmm. Like, or, like, being able to visualize what yeah. we want is really, uh, it's yeah. sort of exciting. Imagine a, a, a mobilized social worker uh, uh, division. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, um, imagine, imagine people who are out there that, you know, empowered by the city, empowered by the state to help people. You know, that protect and serve part of the police thing always bothers me because they focus so much on what they think protection is. Mm-hmm. Which Dolores Umbridge does, too. Yes. Dolores, Dolores is trying to protect people. She believes she's trying to protect people. She yeah. really does. She doesn't think she's evil at She all. does not think she's evil. Yeah. And, she, and she may be slightly anti-muggle, but that's because they're dangerous. Right, she's only keeping right? them safe. The police may be slightly anti-black, but that's because they tend to be dangerous. Like, that's the thinking. That's what is happening. That is what is happening in our police systems. That, well, black people commit more crimes, which is statistically not true. Um, They get arrested more, and that does not mean that they statistically commit more crimes. The number I always use in Bloomington is is that, you know, black people get arrested for 400% times, 400.5% times the rate of white people for crimes of marijuana. This is a college town. Oh, if right. you do not think that every person on the IU campus is not currently carrying some form of weed <coughs> or a THC product, then mm-hmm. you are crazy and smoking something yourself. Because <laughs> every white kid... Not even kids. We're talking about professors. 60, 70-year-old professors right. and teachers. Because and it's, a, a, it's legal one state over. So <laughs> Every house I go... I mean... I go through a lot of houses. Yeah. And they all smell like weed? Oh, there's, <laughs> all oh smell my like God. There's <laughs> always a place that smells like weed. And it could be on the back porch, but you're like... This smells like weed. Yeah. yeah. Everywhere smells like... So, so if all the, all the predominantly white fraternities and, and sororities are all smoking weed, why is it that our black students are getting arrested for it? Why is it... If, if every, you know, just regular non-student you know, uh, people are, you know, white people are walking around smoking weed. Why is it that our black residents are getting arrested for it? Why is that the case? The only factor that I can possibly put into that is that there's profiling happening. There's profiling happening to get to that arrest. They are being stopped more frequently. They are being contacted by the police more frequently. And therefore, that leads to their arrest. And they're unable to talk their way out more frequently as well. Because I think they're white people who are like, yeah, but my dad. Yeah, but my dad. But also, look, I've never done this before. I'm just holding. It's just a little bit. I never. This isn't. Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is. I I personally, I, uh, in college, I lived with a roommate who smoked weed. I've never been, I've been sober for a really long time. So, (laughs) um, but, uh, and I was never somebody that smoked weed. Um. And in college, I had a roommate who smoked weed. We had a situation with another roommate who the police came over to deal with this roommate. And my, my roommate's uh, pipe was sitting on the front porch. Well, the police walk through the house. They see the pipe. They smell it. Everybody's white there except for me. And they just take the pipe and leave. Nobody gets arrested. Nobody, nothing happens. And, you know, nobody, of course, admits to whose it is, but everybody in the house is white except for me. Hmm. And so I'm sure that they assumed it was mine 
which is really funny. But nobody got arrested, right? Um, there was no, there's no actually weed in it. There was just the smell of <laughs> weed. So, um, so you know, it was just this. It was one of those situations where I'm like, how often does that happen? Where they just take it from the kids, you know, <laughs> and whatever. But if they're black kids, they're going, they're going down for it. They don't look at black. There is no such thing as a black kid. Yeah. Unless you're eight years old. You're, yeah. Well, not even that. No. But but all the, you're 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 at twelve. You're yeah. a, you're a young man. I just I just you're saw them throw. I just saw a video of them throwing a four year old in handcuffs on the on pavement. So it doesn't matter how old you are if you're black or if you're a woman or a man. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. So, and that's not in Bloomington. It was elsewhere, of course. But back to what you're saying mm. about thinking of a new way of thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. I believe in the multi-universe theory. Oh, okay. And so, if you believe in the multi-universe theory, you have, you've got to realize that... You explain. Know, you you got to explain. I'm not... Okay. Yeah. Tell me. The basics of the multi-universe theory is that this is one version of the universe. There are many other versions of the universe. Okay, yeah. That's a okay. very... Okay, very... Basic... Sci-fi. There's some more yeah. math in that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a portal in Pennsylvania that connects... <laughs> I thought it was. I thought if we were going back to Buffy, if you go back to Buffy, right. the hell no. Sorry, it's in, in Sunnydale. <laughs> Cleveland. Yeah. For, for those that are just tuning in, they're nerding me out. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm somewhat of a nerd. You know, I've seen everything from Star Trek, but they are taking it to another level, and I'm just completely lost. Well, so if you've seen Star Trek, yeah, there's a con- you know the the the, exactly. the mirror universe yes, or whatever. Yes, yeah. Yes. So there's there's so there are on on any given universe there are a billion different ways that the universe can be reconstructed. Okay. Right? Yes. yes. DC uh, Comics. Know, yeah. Just, yes. yes. In oh, any number Lord. of ways. And a billion yes. doesn't even do it justice. Right? So if there's multi-universes... So then in this universe, there are there must be more than a billion different ways in which you can solve a problem or look at a problem. Oh, yeah. There must be more than a, a billion ways to construct a society. Mm-hmm. We just happen to have picked this one and we're just going to die on that hill. No matter how bad it is no matter how much it doesn't work for anybody within that society we're just going to die on that hill mm-hmm. we're just going to continue to do capitalism the way that we do we're going to continue to do um um american quote-unquote democracy the way that we do and and that we're just going to just continue on with that without ever thinking about how to change possibilities we've talked about this haven't we mm-hmm. about whether or not you throw away the system that we have and or you try to fix it and of course, I'm at the camp that you try to fix what we have right now because it's it just seems so. Da- Not that I I think it's perfect. It just seems so daunting. Well, see, but that again is still binary thinking, and I'm not I'm not saying either throw it away or continue on mm-hmm. to the bitter end. Yeah. That's that's not what I, like you know yeah. and and try you know try to fix it order. I'm saying that there's another option and maybe even another billion options of being like. Okay, here's the system. While we're in this system, let's look at how we could completely redo this, right? Mm-hmm. We've got the combustion engine, but we could make an electric car. Mm-hmm. And there are a million different ways to make an electric car. So let's figure out how to do that, right? But we're still going to drive the combustion engine while we're trying we. to figure this out. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So now that we figured out these 10, 15 different ways of the, of the electric car, why are we still dealing with this combustion engine over here? Mm-hmm. We know that it doesn't work properly. Why don't we try to do these over here for a while, cut our pollutants, and, and go that way? Mm-hmm. So, so that's just, like, that's just one, in, you know, infrastructure thing that we have. Like, what, like, so let's talk about democracy. We know that democracy 
has great ideas within it, but it doesn't always work out that way because of how we apply democracy. So why not because look at... Because of how we made it, too. Yeah, like, and how we made it in this country, exactly. Because we don't really do democracy, we do capitalist-driven democracy. And mm-hmm. it's set aside for the people who created it who already had theirs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's exactly. be honest. It's, yeah. Yeah. What I hate is that now that I'm getting mine, <laughs> I want to keep mine. You know of course what I'm saying? You, uh, you know, of course it's you just do. like, if people don't mention it until black people get there. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I, you know what I'm saying. No, I do know what you're like, saying. Oh, you I do know. I do, I 100%. Why are you driving that car, buddy? Like, right. Come on. Maybe, you know. I do know what you're saying. I 100% know what you're saying because it does feel like once black people achieve a certain level of success, then everybody wants to change what the goal line of success is mm-hmm. or, say, or say, oh, well, we don't really, you know, the, the 80s was all about excess and then the 90s was, was not, right? Mm-hmm. Well, who was flourishing? You know, in the nineties, <laughs> you know. So yes, I I do get that. I do get that. But I guess what I'm talking about is a more holistic view, so that it's not just the few of us that succeed. Oh, absolutely. And reaching so that back. it's it's every it's you know it's it's re- yeah it's that reaching back. And again, so this is this is where I look to our ancestors. Is that our ancestors have had you know created societies that were that everybody flourished in, but for some reason. We are still using a model of European success mm-hmm. as the benchmark, and it doesn't work for everybody. And it's been proven that the kinds of capitalism that come from European um, history don't work. Rome fell. Mm-hmm. The United States will fall. We're already feeling that. What's happening right now is showing that our system is broken. Completely. Things that we thought, things that we thought were law. Like, let's show, show us your taxes. Whatever. You know what I mean? Things that we thought were law were, were, were just a, a gentleman's agreement. Yeah. And it took <laughs> someone, it, it, it took someone to line. say, yeah. nah, I'm not going to do it. And you're like, but you have to. He's like, no, I don't. Yeah. 100%. And so it is broken. Mm-hmm. If it's not, if it doesn't get, ch- I mean. Well, and, 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 and that maybe goes, that's a good thing. But that goes to prove. That if Donald Trump can break it, break that gentleman's agreement in this way, why can't we break it in the other way? Why can't we break it for progress? Why can't we break it, break the rules to, to make something better? Oh, I get it. Because, like, there's this binary thing where we look at Trump breaking the rules and we're like, well, we're not Trump, so we don't break the rules. Exactly. And then we turn into Dolores Umbridge. And then we turn into Dolores Umbridge. 100%. Which is what we're... Yeah. And so... And we're getting... Like, I get it. I think I get it. Yes. <laughs> so this is the market in Bloomington. This okay. is the market in Bloomington right now. The, the farmer's market in Bloomington. Is we don't want to break the rules like the Nazis. So instead, we're Dolores Umbridging all over the place. We're, we're creating more structure. We're, we're building more structure that doesn't hurt the Nazis at all. Because they're never going to follow it. And the, they're not. Yeah, they're, they're not, not going to follow it. They've, they've already broken those rules. They've already broken them several times. But we're too scared to enforce them. You can't, you can't, it's not a level playing field, no. and we're still on the wrong field. Yeah. It's, I mean, again, it's what, it's, it's, you know, people talk about this as what happened to Hillary Clinton in 2016, right? Regardless of whether you're a Hillary Clinton fan or not. Hillary Clinton was playing a t- 2008 game. She's playing a 2012 game. Mm-hmm. And it was 2016 and Donald Trump was playing a whole different game. Yeah. 
And so whether or not you wanted her to win or lose, whatever, that's beside the point. She was she thought she was playing on a level playing field, and that was not the case. Mm-hmm. And so if the other side is cheating, <laughs> why are you still just just for principle's sake? Well, you're gonna get stabbed if it's a if it's a fencing match. <laughs> the Nazis are punking us. They are 100% Getting back to like Antifa. So what Antifa does is say, no, the playing field is not level. Mm-hmm. Right. And we, we, but we know where to play on their, on their field. We know what to do. We know how to intimidate them into not playing the game at all. And, and I understand why people are scared of that. Be- mm-hmm. Because it takes away the safety. I, I don't. I hear you. I just, I just didn't find if, if they, I didn't find Antifa to be scary at all. They're not. They weren't after me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm like that's, you knew why they were that, there. That, yeah. Like, c- come on, y'all. Like, they're there because there's Nazis here. Right. All right. And there's three percent. There's dudes carrying fucking guns. Yeah. And you're worried about people that have their faces covered. That's there to protect them and their family. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's what really pissed me off that it, all of a sudden it's like people are upset because we're messing up their groove oh but I mean but you, you know what I mean but you remember when I mean when the Panthers came in right the Panthers come in armed stand in front mm-hmm. of uh you know black folks and as the police are on the other side people were scared to death of the Panthers you know they were scared to death of the Panthers I think primarily because they were black folks armed mm-hmm. but I think also because they saw people who were willing to take on the system as it is and fight white supremacy. That is frightening to a lot of people. Not just white people, but to black people, to brown people. It is frightening to say that you're willing to take on white supremacy. Okay, so I I had a little flash of something when you were talking about Antifa at the market. And this is just a thought that's forming, so I anticipate that it may be... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's hear it. You know we okay. do this. Well, I'm thinking about like the culture since 2016, and I'm thinking about a lot of white women who like were uh, bumped into seeing the world by 2016, like that hadn't necessarily had to see the world before that, and um, and that part of parenting in that because I think part of the fear of Antifa like the people I saw that were afraid were like but the children they were using the but the children which is as you know one of my least favorite defenses but there's something to living in this world today where we want to teach our children to be involved and to be out there and so I I I'm picturing the people that were scared and I'm I'm picturing people that also brought their kids in to do some protesting and I'm and I'm wondering if part of what happened is it made it a lot more real. real. Like maybe this isn't where I should bring my four year old. And and that's scary and that's uncomfortable and and that's at the farmers market where kids play in the fountain. And I this is not me saying Antifa started this at no, all. I'm just saying no, this I, is like yeah. the thought process that right. might happen that would right. scare people. Well and I think that that's I mean, I'm not going to speak for those people who were in Black Block that day, um, but I will. what I will say is that I think that's some of the point. You know, because Sarah Dye is this nice-looking white woman, you know, she's, she's 
attractive by some people's standards. She's a nice, you know, she seems calm. She has a trendy baby carrier. She has a, like yes, the right she's, one she's and just and trying to embody this white earth mother goddess that I, I don't know where that came from, but whatever. So that's, that's like her thing, right? She's trying to be the clean cut, all American, like this is what white people should be. Um, kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, white supremacist, because she's not standing there in a clan robe, mm-hmm. or she's not wearing the the um, you know the garb of those from Charlottesville with the white polo shirt and the khaki pants and the pitchfork, you know, mm-hmm. torch, you know, and all that, mm-hmm. and, and shouting and yelling, because it's not a sensational image of what white supremacy looks like. People are being lulled into this false sense of security. They do that on purpose. They're doing that on purpose. That isn't a a calculated move. And even the three percenters who just sort of look like your basic southern Indiana kind of people. They look like my relatives. Yeah, and some of mine too. Yeah, I was going to say probably mine too. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. And so they're 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 doing that on purpose. They're trying to make you think that they are not as violent as they are. That that their ideas are not for genocide. Mm-hmm. That their ideas are not for extermination and concentration camps and murder. Mm-hmm. But they but they are. And so then Antifa comes in and black block and all of a sudden things get real. Mm-hmm. And so I think you're right. I think some people were like were like, oh whoa. Yeah. Oh my goodness. They're kinda of escalating. They're gonna they think they're escalating it. And, and they're not. They're bringing Look, attention they're bringing to what's attention there, to, to the light. evil that is already the there. evil that is already there, and re- it it reveals it's it's the turning the rock over and looking all the slimy mm-hmm. underbits, you know, and I I get it I can see I can see why that would invoke fear, for black people we don't have that luxury, mm-hmm. which is why I personally and I know Don Don disagrees with me on this but it's why I personally called for a full boycott, of the entire farmers market for this whole entire season. Because it is not safe to walk into a space where everybody thinks that that's just a nice white lady, mm-hmm. when in reality, she's storing guns for her aim. When in reality, she is advocating for the genocide of people who look like me and look like Dawn, and queer people and trans people and and people who are are from the southern border. Okay, she is actively seeking. Um, genocide, murder, expulsion from this country, and uh, and abuse of people. She's that's that's what she wants. And She's seeking that, and so it is ridiculous for me to advocate for my fellow people of color, my fellow queer and trans people, to go to a place that that is being pushed under the rug. Because they will all be the first targets. Mm-hmm. And I am not, I personally am not wed- willing to sacrifice any one of us just to make a point about vegetables. <laughs> See, so where we, where we differ on this, and so I respect her side, but mm-hmm. where I, what, I want to take the market over. I want queer people and black people to go ahead. It, I, I'm, I'm a person, and that's, why, that's the only reason I'm standing... My black ass out there because mm-hmm, I'm not mm-hmm. selling vegetables. Yeah, 
You know, because Just touching tomatoes. Because yeah, I did. Which that, I love about I? you. <laughs> I, I, I do. I must say, oh I my do. god! I, but I was going to just lick, lick your palm. I forgot I did that. I forgot <laughs> I even did that. How did you know about that? I heard. Oh, Everyone, I hear, and I hear everything too. Oh my so god. if you if you think I haven't heard, I've heard. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I, I I touched there. I went to their booth and I touched all over the tomatoes. <laughs> is what I did. I heard you smell them too. Like you oh, picked oh, them up. Oh yes! Oh no, my nose was in it. My nose was, you know. No, but, you know, oh, I would have asked to see your baby. <laughs> I'm like, can I hold your baby? Oh my god! Oh my god! I just and and well, I actually, I Don, I do agree with you on it. Yeah. I, I would love to see because me and you both would go to the farmers right. market for. For, we yeah, grew up here in uh, Yeah, exactly. Both and of so are I counties, love so, yeah. the farmer's market. It's one of my, it's one of my jams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be taken. I, I, but then again, I'm a person that will go in the middle of places that people tell me I'm not allowed to go yeah, into. Me too. Because I'm like, no, this is my... This I'm, this is my place. No one's going to tell me. And you you too. You're right. Uh, me too. But yeah. you're right. Do I want my son out there? No. So I'm out there sacrificing myself, but that's me. And I love. And uh, well, and I and you know, being a queer person, I'm at I'm at the point where like I, I'm not sacrificing another one of us. Black mm-hmm. trans women are dying at extreme rates. Mm-hmm. You know, trans people in general are dying at extreme rates. Queer mm-hmm. people are targets all the time. Um, black people are targets mm-hmm. all the time. And in fact, the, one of the big reasons why I, I called for the boycott was because of the increased police presence. And I'm like, okay, you got Nazis and more police? No, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, no. Why, why am I going to, why? For some vegetables that, one, cost a little too much <laughs> for my liking. <laughs> a little too much for my liking. And, I, you know, some peeps is, is on budget and... They got an Aldi's in this town, and they just remodeled them. And I swear to God, so funny. Aldi's is the bomb, man. I'm no, no, no shade, no like you know sponsorship. Okay, no sponsorship for Aldi's, but if they wanna, if they wanna get that sponsorship going with me, I'm cool. Whatever you do, then whatever you do, let's not let don't Google out, don't don't Google the history of Aldi's. Well, you know, it's a German family. It's. I mean, they who and they've been around forever. They've been mm-hmm. doing vegetables and stuff for, for a very long time. For a very, so they're they're br- two brothers who don't get along. Uh, they they I split. Know, like, I love they, this. Like his, we're gonna. They, all they, these they, they they split up right, and mm-hmm. one I think came to America first, and but had to come up with a different name, Trader Joe's. What really? Yes. That's why they're the same. They look. They have the same model because they are. Yeah. Uh, it's the same model. The same, I same. just thought, oh, look, they're no, sort of alike. No, one person took like the south of whatever, and then one is Germany, bougie and, and one is not. Yeah. <laughs> now, is and, not and, funny? and in all of Europe, like Aldi's is like Littles and Aldi's are like the two big ones, and they do that same modeling where they, you know, the thing about Aldi's is they got okay, we're getting off. Okay, okay no, no, no it's, it's fine. But, we do this. People that listen to us know that we're all over <laughs> right. the place. But but the the thing is is that they is that they have organic vegetables for the same price that they're basically selling the other vegetables mm-hmm. for. And so even the the non-organic vegetables are also all natural vegetables. So there's the so they're not done in the commercial growing. So that's why we go, like we go there. We've been going there for a while because it's they don't have everything that you need, but they have most of what Germans you need. Germans that are into organic vegetables. I mean, where have we heard this from? You know, you know who that? <laughs> Sarah Dye. Sarah Dye. <laughs> 
This episode of My Racist Friend is a production of the Bloomington Center for Connection, an organization using relational cultural theory to promote social change through connection. This conversation between Jada B., Don Griffin Jr., and Amy McKees, LCSW, was recorded on Saturday, November 23, 2019, and edited for this podcast by Kevin McKees. Theme music lovingly sampled from Your Racist Friend by They Might Be Giants. Follow the Bloomington Center for Connection on Facebook and other social media platforms. You and your racist friend. Talk about the squeaky chairs. Just let people know. Early on. None of us are. I've got the squeaky chair. Tooting.